You're listening to the Americans for Truth Hour with your host, Peter LaBarbera. Each week, you'll hear compelling interviews with everyday heroes on the front lines of the culture war. People who put faith and truth above the lies of political correctness. Americans for Truth Hour will help you to stay informed and engaged on the side of life, marriage, and the God-ordained family. Please stand with us as we work to make America, in the words of President Ronald Reagan, a shining city on the hill. And once again, one nation under God. And now, here's Peter LaBarbera. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Americans for Truth Hour. I'm here with John Kirkwood, who's pastor at Grace Gospel Fellowship Church in Bensonville, Illinois. I'm president of Americans for Truth About Homosexuality. We are a single-issue organization devoted to opposing the powerful homosexual, bisexual, transsexual lobby, and there's lots of work to do on that. We're uh, delighted to uh, have part two with our speaker, Judith Reisman, who is uh, on the line. Judith, are you there? I'm here, Peter. There you are, and Judith is our speaker. We're very excited. She's our keynote speaker at uh, the Americans for Truth Banquet, which is Saturday, October 27th at Christian Liberty Academy, the wonderful uh, Christian school in Arlington Heights, Illinois. You can get information at americansfortruth.org. That's americansfortruth, all written out, dot O-R-G. Tickets are only 15 bucks in advance, table of 10 for 150 And uh, we hope a lot of people come out because Judith has been in the forefront of educating people on the sexual revolution, which has brought such devastation to this country, Judith. And that was an excellent interview last week. Uh, We learned a lot. Um, But uh, anybody who knows Judith's works, uh, uh, her her body of work, exposing Alfred Kinsey, America's first sexologist. Uh, Judith is the author of Kinsey, Sex and Fraud, Soft Porn Plays Hardball, uh, Sexual Sabotage, and other books. And and Judith... Crimes and Consequences. uh, Kinsey, Crimes and Consequences. Uh, Judith, uh, did you ever uh, wonder how you came to be uh, in this line of work basically exposing uh, the perversion and how perversion and uh, this sexual revolution became mainstream through this uh, academic junk science? Good gracious, no. I never wondered. You um, just got to work on no, it. How I mean, did you start be, on Kinsey? Well, I used to be uh, <laughs> I used to be a long-haired songwriter, guitar playing, you know, uh, very good, actually. Earned a living at it for CBS, ABC, NBC, PBS. Um, worked for various museums, doing great works of art for children. I mean, and everybody liked me, and I got invited to the party. And, um, you know, and, uh, and then, and Captain Kangaroo, don't forget Captain Kangaroo. And, um, and then, you were you were a writer. Uh, you were a writer for Captain Kangaroo. Songwriter, songwriter, yeah. You know, producer. It was really MTV kind of thing. It was the pre-MTV, right? You know, you, you just have uh, three-minute segments of music, and you, I mean, of uh, visuals, and you set up music to it, and uh, so forth. And and Captain was very discerning and very particular about uh, the kinds of material that he would allow on his program because we were very aware of the fact that everything that we did on Captain changed the children who were watching the program, that we were having a direct impact upon them at the time. We didn't have all the information on the way the brain changes, but we certainly knew that uh, we were models and that what we were singing about or showing them they would be imitating. No news there. Good morning, America. And so, uh, you know, we were very cautious on that program, as most children's programs tended to be, but nothing quite as good as Captain. And, um, and then I, uh, it turned out that one of my children uh, at age 10 was, was uh, sexually assaulted by mm. the boy upstairs, who she thought of as a, as a big brother and that sort of thing. And um, I started to uh, change my life, you know. Um, I began to try to understand why, you know, why this boy would do that. Um, and, uh, and as I traced the boy, who came from a so-called intact family, 
turns out his, his father had stacks of Playboy magazines in the house, and um, the boy, the son, was acting out what, some of the things that he saw in the magazine. And with my child and also with other children all over the neighborhood. And um, he was in therapy at the time because someone had turned him in. But, uh, but no one was allowed to know that he was a predator, a sexual predator. And um, so that introduced me to Playboy, although I didn't realize the significance of it until many years later. And um, as I actually did the research on Playboy, and I discovered that they were promoting children in that magazine ever since 1954, really small, four small intro cartoons in 1954. Uh, But anyway, as I tracked all that, um, I was at a conference in Wales, British Psychological Association conference in Wales, and I was um, screening some of my findings, and um, a psychologist came up to me and said, well, you know, that's really very disturbing what you showed me. I, I, I realized I had seen those cartoons and those photos before, but I never put them together as child pornography, but that's what it was. And he said, but if you're really, really, really concerned about then, you know, child sexual abuse and its, and its spiral, you better look at Kinsey. And I said, why? And he said, well, I worked with Kinsey and Pomeroy. One is a pedophile and the other is a homosexual. I said, which is which? He said, read and discover, and he walked away. Wow. Wow. Now, Wardell Pomeroy, he was an associate of Kinsey? Yeah, he was his. He was uh, one of his sidekicks. He was one of his intermittent lovers. You know, I mean, uh, Kinsey delivered his favors to most of his male uh, colleagues, who, anybody who he would allow, you know, <laughs> on his research project had to be, had to be like him. So you have to be able to either blackmail them or control them in some way. So anyway, Wardell Pomeroy, yes, who ended up um, running the Institute of Advanced Study of Human Sexuality in San Francisco and training all of our human sexuality educators, too, and creating the sex education curricula for our schools worldwide and so forth. So that's how I got involved. Wow. And... Uh so you actually, your family was victimized by uh, the the um, the perversion that comes out of uh, uh, pornography and and the sexual revolution. Out of Playboy. Yes. Out of Playboy. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And one of the things well, that the boy was actually molesting his younger brother too. Uh, you know, I mean, that's what happens. You know. Yeah. I mean, that's what the material is for. Yeah. It's for action, and whereas some adults. Their actions may be confined, you know, to consensual interactions with uh, with a spouse or with a girlfriend or boyfriend. Uh, kids don't have that kind of access, so they use other kids. We know that uh, that, that was a part of the testimony of, of Ted Bundy, the, the role of uh, pornography uh, mm-hmm. in, in his nefarious career. Uh Doctor, you, you've coined a phrase, erototoxins. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, it's, it's simply the, um, the, the flip side of eros. Eros is uh, always thought of as being something very wonderful, but it can be toxic. And toxic meaning that we have a neurochemistry that's in, that is called endogenous or it's called natural. And that can be toxic to the human brain, mind, and memory. And that is what Eros is, is used for in these circumstances. So it is toxic. When we say toxic, it is causing disease. It is causing damage. And so it fits all of the requirements of what one would, uh, how one describes that which is a poison, a toxin. You take it in and you take it in bit by bit, and the addiction often results. So you often have, uh, you know, one one final end of the of the toxin, which would be the addiction, which would be you know rapes of of children. It would be um, you know uh, use of prostitution, uh, prostituted young girls or boys. Uh, you know that end of it, but it also can be semi be toxic sufficiently 
so that it simply destroys your marriage. And what can be more toxic than than arrows being used this way? And your and your point is that it actually begins to change the brain. Is that right? Oh, of course it does. Of course it does. Everybody knows it does. Now we we fortunately we have all the brain science today that comes out and says yes. You know, um, but anything that we're doing, you know, there's just a new book out called Who's in Charge, called Free Will and the Science of the Brain by Michael Gazzaniga. And Gazzaniga is the number one guy in this field and Nobel Prize winners, uh, Kagan, just, you know, there's another book out by Kagan. There are books out by Amen. There are books out by uh, a whole slew of, of brain scientists, some, of, some being more specific about pornography than others. And, um, yeah, pornography is rings your bells for sex. It goes right straight down to the genital organs, and um, it activates that area. And, um, you know, so if you do not act out on it, then uh, you, will, you will end up, you know, having to, to act out on it to one, in, in one way or another. And, yes, indeed, it reshapes the brain, just as everything does. If I'm going to spend a lifetime reading the Bible, my brain will be reshaped by the Word, right? right. If I'm going to spend a lifetime reading Shakespeare, my brain is, and I'm going to have pretty good language in both of those, you know, by, by the, by, from the Bible or, or from Shakespeare. Right. But, but if my, my lifetime, I'm spending hours and hours digging, you know, watching pornographic material, my language, my behavior will be shaped by that. My brain will be physically changed. Right. Absolutely. Let's end it right there for now. Uh, Judith, we're going to be right back after the break. We're talking to Judith Reisman, our banquet speaker at our Americans for Truth Banquet, Saturday, October 27th. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back, folks, to the Americans for Truth Hour. I'm Pete LaBarber here with John Kirkwood, and we're talking with Judith Reisman who is uh, a wonderful uh, scholar who has done more than any other person in the world to expose uh, Alfred Kinsey. And uh, Judith, um, what was Alfred Kinsey's role in mainstreaming pornography, if you could encapsulate it? Well, he was a pornography addict. We start with that, okay. So he was making his own pornography in the attic of his home with his uh, boyfriends that he worked with and his, his colleagues, and uh, his wife, and, uh, but she didn't, wasn't with him, you know, because that didn't work, because they were, she was just a beard, is what it's sort of it's called. But, okay, so, um, so he's married, and he's, this, he's, he's you know, he, I just want to set the stage. He, he's okay. this, you know, the, the press has built him up as this, as this wonderful sort of fatherly figure who's, who's just wants to research sex because, you know, we need an honest uh, investigation or of, the, of the sexual practices of America. It, it's, it's billed, the press has established him as this mainstream fatherly uh, researcher, yet Ever since he was a boy, he was troubled sexually. He was addictive. He was involved in sadomasochism, homosexuality, and then he he he, he in his actual sex experiments. It comes out later, and talk about that, Judith. How he would involve all his researchers, including his wife, correct? In these in in sexual experiments, which he, what he would videotape and such. What? Yeah, yeah. Well, they had film in those years. We didn't have video. You're too young. No, so it was real. It was real film, you know. The, uh, you know, and 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 they had the, um, you know, the little thing goes round and round that you make make films with. And and Dallenbeck, he had a filmmaker there, a, a photographer who was part of their sexual perversion, their their sexual predator group. And uh, Dallenbeck would film these uh, these scenes with people torturing people and whatnot. And um, th- they thought that was perfectly fine because that's the sort of thing that they liked to do. I mean, Kinsey was himself, obviously, a sadomasochist, a pedophile sadomasochist. Because, um, you know, as we talked about, the youngest victim he has on record in his own, in his own uh, records, in his own tables, in his own books, was two months of age. Well, how young can you get, you know, that you're going to torture this little child? 
and say that that that's legitimate for a quote unquote mm. orgasm. Right. So so this was a psychopath, a sexual psychopath. Uh, Kinsey was, and uh, uh, no sexual psychopath worth his salt, who's got any kind of brains, is going to have anybody normal around him. Right. So so he gathered around him other people who would adhere to whatever it was he said. He was a tyrant, no question about that, a massive bully. And his wife was bullied. And yes, they took all those photos of her knitting. You know, she was sitting in a little rocking chair and knitting, right? <laughs> and, and him smoking his pipe. I mean, it's absolutely ludicrous. And what was going on upstairs? Come on and downstairs. And so then, from that, he would say, see, that's what Americans do. They lie. They're hypocrites. They pretend that they're normal, straightforward people, but gosh, look what they're doing. You know, well, it's, gosh, look what he was doing, not what everybody and else that's, was doing. And that's what you I said last week. Remi- last yeah, week you said that. I remind people that, that Hugh Hefner said he was a virgin in college. He wasn't bragging. That's what we were like back in the mm. 50s. Uh, Judith, I'm going to take a really wild guess and say that you were not a consultant on Liam Neeson's movie about Kinsey. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? I, I, I kind of think in a way I was, to tell you the truth. Because um, I, I believe there's no question that they made that movie uh, about Kinsey in order to redeem him because it was starting to become public that he was a whack, you know, a whack job, as they say in the vernacular. And, and then the, uh, the director was not going to include anything about Kinsey's torture of the children. He was not going to do that. Um, but uh, Dr. Laura Schlesinger was announcing everywhere on her website at the time that, um, you know, that her fans should protect this film coming out, which was lionizing a, a violent, sadistic pedophile. And uh, as a result, the, the director said, okay, he had to include a scene in there where he allegedly is, is saying that uh, that Kinsey knew about this torture of these children. So, in that sense, <laughs> I would say that I was uh, I was involved. I'm very sad that Neeson played that role. Um, he's such a fine actor and plays so many excellent roles, and uh, that was a very bad decision, in my view. What has uh, been the yeah, what has been the direct response to you from the academic world and from the people out there that, that do think Alfred Kinsey was a great scientist and this groundbreaking person who's uh, helped us uh, in a Promethean way come out of the darkness? Yeah, that's a really, really good question because when I first discovered these tables, these little children being tortured, you know, by Kinsey, Kinsey and his people, I just, you know, I was such a liberal fool in those years myself, I just uh, copied the charts, you know, with the, with the little kitties and everything, and with his statements below about what that was, and, and I put a little note, you know, cover letter, and I said, gee gosh, look at this, and I sent it off to uh, the Hastings Institute on Ethics, you know, or something like that in New York, and I thought, uh, oh my golly, you know, my colleagues are going to really oh, they're going to go after this. Why, this is terrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't get that reaction. No. <laughs> oh, no, no. And um, I gave a presentation at the Fifth World Congress of Sexology in Jerusalem on Kinsey that I managed to get into, and that was the last one I was allowed into, right? Mm. So this, this academic freedom thing is a non-entity. It doesn't exist. It's a mythology. Um, and, no, I, what I began to find, because I did approach a lot of people that I thought I knew, you know, uh, academicians I had worked with, kind of, and nobody wanted to touch this Kinsey with a 10-foot pole. I mean, you know, it was worse than Tuskegee. They, and yet they wouldn't, they wouldn't touch it, and I couldn't understand why. It took me years to finally understand that everybody quoted him. Mm. And, if, and if I was exposing that this was a psychopathic, tyrannical, pedophile sadist, you know, that they were quoting as a great, great savior of the world, 
that that meant that their credibility was down the tube. And, and they had huge grants, you know, based upon their alleged research and so forth. And that continues so, today, right, Judith? I mean, they're still, oh, they still goodness. hold up Kinsey as the model. Oh, my goodness. Yes, indeed. I did a Google on the Kinsey scale for a recent piece that I'm doing. What is the Kinsey Kinsey scale? Oh, the continuum, zero to six. You know, a little diagonal. From from, uh, homosexual to heterosexual? Right, right, right. He just made this little, you know, diagonal line. (laughs) And suddenly it's science. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it's to this day. You hear homosexual activists; they talk about the Kinsey scale. Where are you on the Kinsey scale? I don't know. I guess I'm a. I guess I'm a bisexual, or oh, I'm feeling more heterosexual these days. I mean, it's just. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's what precipitates the acceptance of the transvestism sort of thing and everything else because you're on the scale there. Well, I did the Google thing. Try it, and you get what 190 million. It's something I don't know. Ludicrous, and you have all these different variations of the Kinsey. scale. Well, one, 1,180,000 results. Yeah, there you go, whatever. Yeah. I mean, and then if you just put Kinsey scale in images, it's one thing. If you put the Kinsey scale in the, in the you know, just the text, it's yeah. another. Um, so, yeah, no, no, this is, this is paramount. It's still used. It is critical. And if you really shook, if the American public knew, that all the changes in our laws, American Law Institute Model Penal Code, all the changes in our laws, the, the no-fault divorce, the whole, everything, was all grounded in this tyrannical, sexual, psychopathic, sadistic pedophile. I mean, how much, you know, what would people say to all the billions who spent on National Institute of Health grants? I got a question for you on that, yeah. Judith. What did, just an... Just let's just take violent rape. Violent rape. What was the typical penalty for violent rape, say, fifty years ago, compared to today? After this liberalization of the sex laws, due to Alfred Kinsey's flawed research, what's the contrast? Well, first of all, in those years, you didn't need to say it was a violent rape. Uh-huh. All right, a rape was a rape was a rape, and therefore it's violent. Okay, you didn't need to beat somebody up along with it or cut off an arm. So rape, R-A-P-E, <laughs> half the states in the Union allowed the death penalty wow. for rape. Mm. Yeah. And the other half, largely, uh, would be life. It could be up to life. Uh, there was one state, I remember, that had uh, could be 20 years or something like that. Now, it didn't mean that when, you know, when the charge was levied that the, uh, that the accused was automatically going to be snuffed. What it meant was that this nation had a position on the whole issue of sex and rape, and that that position was, this is really something we're, we're ready to even kill you for if you do that. So um, it had a way of discouraging people, so your rape rates were much lower in those years. And it wasn't just reporting either. I know I hear that all the time. It's so ludicrous. What you thinking that we, you know we, we never locked the doors in those years? You think because we lock all our doors today that it's just because there's more reporting about theft? I don't think so. Right. So we've had a major change in human conduct and human behavior and the human brain, mind, memory, and, and character. And Judith, and, let me yeah, cut you off um, there because I want to talk about these. You know, Megan's law and all these laws. You make a terrific point about that. We're talking with Judith Reisman, who is. Uh, the author of Kinsey, Sex and Fraud, Kinsey, Crimes and Consequences, Sexual Sabotage, and numerous other works. Uh, she is speaking at our AFTA Banquet, Americans for Truth, Saturday, October 27th at Christian Liberty Academy in Arlington Heights, Illinois. And that is uh, that door is open at 530, Saturday, October 27th. We'll be right back after the break. Are you sick and tired of homosexuality and gay marriage being celebrated by the liberal media and popular culture? Do you worry about the radical gay agenda being pushed on young children in schools? Are you worried that the gay movement will destroy America's religious freedoms? And are you offended that Christians are called bigots and homophobes just because they agree with God that homosexual behavior is wrong? Americans for Truth About Homosexuality is a single-issue group devoted to exposing and fighting the gay agenda. They are not about hate, but love for God's truth. 
They are Christians, so instead of celebrating homosexuality, they lift up the many ex-gays who have left it behind and now lead godly lives through Christ. But Americans for Truth needs your help. The gay lobby has lots of money, power, and media support, but it lacks truth. Please help keep this show on the air and educate America about the dangerous goals of this anti-Christian movement. Make your gift online today at AmericansForTruth.com. That's AmericansForTruth.com. Welcome back, folks, to Americans for Truth Hour. Uh, We're here with Judith Reisman, Dr. Judith Reisman, who's speaking at our banquet October 27th. Judith, you were talking about uh, the penalties for for rape. Now, you made a great point to me uh, off the air a while back uh, about how, you know, you see these cases where, say, a teenage girl gets raped, uh, a, a victim of a predator, and, and then there's the, a huge outcry, and you know, we, there's a campaign for Megan's Law or whatever the law is, which is to tighten the penalties on these awful sex crimes. And I think you were making the point that these, all, all these, these various laws are doing is building what was once a much more tougher uh, and sensible code of, of law, a uh, legal code regarding uh, sex crimes. Could you talk about that? Sure. Well, as we have legitimized sexual conduct outside of marriage, I know it sounds so bizarre to say that that was a bad thing. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, World War II, at the end of World War II, we still had laws against fornication. We still had laws. We, you, could, you, could, you could consent. It didn't matter. Uh, you know, our whole argument in the United States of America in those years was that sex is a powerful thing, and we want to make sure it stays within very strict boundaries within a adult woman and an adult man who have pledged to stay together. Otherwise, it's going to go, you know, go crazy. We're going to have all sorts of problems. Well, one of the problems that we have had as a result, of course, of this licentiousness that we have been, this sort of French revolutionary kind of thing that we've been uh, permitting, has been we ended up with all these laws, Megan's Law and all, a whole variety. Now, Megan's, now, none of those laws pertain to somebody who was just raped, as far as I recall. I did that in one of my books. What I, what I looked up was these were all kids who were raped, you know, many horribly dealt with, you know, prior, and murdered, and murdered. So they're, they're, they're rape murders of children. And so, you know, you have enough parents who start to say, wait a minute, um, you know, there should be a law to, to do something about this. And so we've, I've forgotten how many laws we had, about 35 or something, for these rape murdered children. Um, Year after year after year, after Kinsey, much after Kinsey, because we never had such things prior. And um, no, not not really, huh? As a matter of fact, I'm not going to that extensively, but I won't right now. So, so what we've been doing is inching, and I unfortunately inching is the word, back to a restriction on our sexual conduct. However, that re- that is inching because. In schools, in our sex ed classes, we're telling the children they can copulate with one another, and we're often telling them they can copulate with other things and other whatever. Um, and, and so as we do that, of course, we're changing those brains of those children. Uh, we, we know the brain science data are very clear, and we knew this even without the brain science data, that we really aren't fro- frontally, logically mature until roughly age 21 to 25, depending upon whose data you're looking at. And so these, these kids, their brains are plastic. They go into the classroom in school. They're told now, what, in kindergarten? About um, various forms of sexual activity. And, you know, you should all be happy. Uh, you know, make love, not war, though love now is war. And, um, and the next thing you know, they're also being told that they, they really don't know that they're normal, regular human uh, heterosexual kids. But they could be bisexual, they could be homosexual, they could be uh, transgender, they could be all kinds of other things. Well, they couldn't be unless there's some kind of identifiable uh, proof that that actually is taking place. And, we, and so we know that what we're doing is traumatizing these children. We're traumatizing them in the classroom with the sexual stimuli they're getting, all from our, our Kinsey people, by the way. There's nobody else training them that way. Um, so, so they're getting these horrible books in school. I mentioned that to you. This Ellen, somebody rather, Hopkins or whoever she is, that writes books that all the, the schools are recommending to the children as, as, a, as young adults, 
which are written really at a, at a reading level of about fourth grade, and they're young adult, and there's the F word every other page or a couple times per page. And there's incest, and there's, and there's uh, sadism, and there's um, every kind of vicious activity going on in these books. This is not like reading Shakespeare, you know. This is not going to advance this child in any way, shape, or form. And that's what's being taught and uh, as legitimate in, in libraries and in schools, along with the bizarre, false, fraudulent sex education these children are getting. So, so we're turning our kids into uh, incredibly confused activists, you know, often. I mean, we get a lot of... We're, we're creating these gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, undecided, and indiscriminate, whatever they're, the last one. I think there's another one now. Um, and you have to ask yourself, who's doing that? You know, what adults are pulling this one off? Yeah. Because these children become uh, fodder for adult, uh, adult predators. That's exactly what they become. It's an ongoing yeah. sexual Anybody? experiment, and the guy who founded it was this incredible uh, deviant... <laughs> And and it just, it just goes on. It's 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 horrifying that uh, there's no accountability. I was just reading a story about a guy who from Sports Illustrated who who turned. You know, he was naive. He thought Joe Paterno was just a wonderful guy, and then he he read the report on Joe Paterno looking the other way when Jerry Sandusky was molesting boys in the showers and whatever. And and he said that you know he was wrong. Joe Paterno was was an awful person for what he did and allowing that to go on. And yet here we have Alfred Kinsey, who who you were the one who exposed. What a horrifying thing that he accepted data on men who stimulated infants mm. for for sexual uh, experiments. And we're still talking about Alfred Kinsey like he's some kind of an authority. How do we how do we stop that, Judith? How do we get the University of Indiana to uh, to tear down its Kinsey statue if there is one, just like uh, Penn State took down the Joe Paterno sta- uh, statue? Well, one of the things at uh, Liberty University uh, Law School, one of the things that um, I, I'm there now, and I've been talking to them or Liberty Council about beginning to try again to do a call out for all of the victims, the Kinsey victims. Now, understand. The Kinsey victims, we have some on, you know, you've seen uh, uh, a couple of the videos that we have out, and people should go to my website and see those and order wherever that one orders them. And that website, uh, Judith, give that website out. Oh, it's dr. Judith Reisman, R-E-I-S-M-A-N.com, drjudithreisman.com. So people should go to my website. They should get my books and read my books, for heaven's sakes. I didn't do this for most of my life instead of writing songs, just to make, you know, just have fun. Um, and uh, so, so it's very important we're, to understand that victims, the Kinsey victims, are not just um, the folks who are on that video that we have who have, were victimized at that time. But indeed, the Kinsey Institute still collects what they call histories. That is, people send them records um, that of, of their sexual activities, including rapes of children and whatnot, and they send those in to the Kinsey Institute to keep on record. And so, therefore, anyone who was sexually molested by, by someone who claimed to do this for some sort of scientific or educative purpose or whatever... Uh, from 1929, not too many of those folks are alive, but to, to, to today, uh, we're doing a, we, uh, we are going to try to set up a call-out for that so that we can get, that, get, the legis- get a congressional investigation again, which we almost got in 1995. The Kinsey Institute was almost tossed out on its ears. Uh, Indiana University said that they were going to get rid of the Kinsey Institute when it looked like we were doing an investigation congressionally. But some people at the highest level congressionally, I would say some pedophiles at the highest level congressionally, as I get older and understand what's going on around here, shut down that, uh, that investigation. So now that we understand that pedophiles are in place congressionally and in judicial system and, and at the White House very often, too, uh, we can at least begin to um, attack this issue a little more forthrightly. Anybody who comes out against us, I would say, has a special interest. 
And Judith, um, talk about, if you would, um, since our group is called Americans for Truth About Homosexuality, you mentioned it last week, uh, the incredible importance of Kinsey to the mainstreaming of homosexuality in our culture. You said that was the this was the foundation for the so-called gay rights movement. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Harry Hay, you know, um, who formed the original um, Mattachine Society, and who he said, oh, my goodness, we can use these data that Kinsey has produced, that 10% of us are homosexual. We can use those data to take the, the onus away from the sodomy that, that defines us, you know, because Americans in those years regarded sodomy as an absolute aberrant, con, you know, sort of conduct. I mean, you can make you sick, for heaven's sake. You know, you don't do those things. That's not normal. So, so, uh, so, so Harry Hay said, um, you know, we have, to, we have to shift people's understanding to us as a minority, as, an, as a 10% and therefore a discriminated against minority. And so they would use Kinsey's Continuum that uh, zero at the bottom, by the way, the bottom zero was for heterosexuals. Uh, I thought that was always interesting to me. <laughs> and the top was for homosexuals. And got All those heteros are just a bunch of zeros, huh? Yeah. So I, I always I always found that kind of, you know, kind of visually provocative, if you will. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, he created this this movement and he had been a communist by the way but he's kicked out of the party because they didn't allow homosexuals because they said homosexuals could be could be blackmailed (laughs) the communist party (laughs) usa right (laughs) even the communists had morals back then (laughs) (laughs) well yes it's actually it's true you know it really is so um so anyway so so he forms you know this this gay rights movement quote unquote and then, become, then comes all of the effort to begin to change the language and to create the mythology about stone, stone what you call it, you know. Uh, and, and the whole point of that exercise is you must recruit the children. You've got to recruit children into homosexuality. All right, or Judith, we'll got to cut you off there. We'll be right back. we got our last segment with Judith Reisman. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back, folks. We're in our final segment with Judith Braceman, uh, who is our banquet speaker. Saturday, October 27th at uh, Christian Liberty Academy. I encourage all of you to go to our website, americansfortruth.org, americansfortruth.org. Get tickets. It's only 15 bucks in advance, 20 bucks at the door, a table of 10 for $150. And, folks, uh, Judith Reisman has a lot to teach us. We're only skimming the surface here. We have limited time. But, Judith... Uh, okay, so you're talking about Harry Hay. The big thing was the minority. Uh, homosexuality went from aberrant, uh, gross behavior, and sodomy is, of course, still, <laughs> to many, to hopefully most people, it is still disgusting, it is still unnatural, it is gross, and yes, uh, that behavior is uh, abhorrent, uh, but he, he uh, Harry Hay's genius, and this guy was another evil genius, uh, this communist Harry Hay who ended up supporting NAMBLA, the North American Man-Boy Love Association. He, he, uh, he t- till his dying days, he supported NAMBLA, the pedophile organization. Uh, but Harry Hay's genius was, he said, we're a minority. We're like other minorities, and we can we can grow our movement. And Harry Hay at the time was married. He was holding secret meetings with whatever other homosexuals he knew. But, uh, it, it, you know, Judith, what can you say about a movement which in how how many years has it been less than 70 years have, has gone from that to this to, to now driving our culture homosexual activists in many ways drive our culture they decide what's going to be in a movie we see all the portrayals are you know homosexuals are the most positively portrayed in the movies and on tv uh, christians are often negatively portrayed the stereotypes you know in many ways in fact judith you are jewish correct um, you, you, I think you're starting to see 
uh, Hollywood, what they're doing to Christians and to people of faith who actually adhere to traditional values, they're treating them sort of, I mean, they're demonizing them like the Nazis used to do to the Jews. You know, they, they would have the, they would compare Jews to rats. And we see these vicious, ugly caricatures of Christians coming out of Hollywood. I mean, how did we go from that in, in such a short amount of time to uh, homosexuality being a deviant conduct, which wasn't spoken about, to now uh, driving our culture? Yeah, well, you answered it. I mean, it, it, it's not that much time when you think that in, that Germany, Hitler Germany, I think it was 20 years, that went from a basically conservative German culture, right? Right? Yep. To uh, the films being... Uh, controlled by, uh, I think it was Goering, wasn't it? or Go, I forgot which one. Um, and the film is being made that describe what you are now describing for Christians. Well, that's what they were doing for Jews, and actually they included Christians in there quite often, too. Um, and the schools were taken over by the, by the, the fascist government, and the children were told that their parents, who were old-fashioned, were old-fashioned. And, you know, you don't have to tell your parents. You mustn't tell your parents what you're learning here in school. So they gutted the, the libraries of anything that was Christian in belief, really. They pulled down the, the Ten Commandments. Yeah, the Ten Commandments all over the walls of, of the schools in Germany. Excuse me? Just like we had in the United States of America. And so... They had removed all the, you know, the Ten Commandments, and they put up, of course, Hitler. Well, here in the United States, we removed the Ten Commandments, but we didn't put up Hitler. We put up the AIDS posters, um, which is just as telling, isn't it? Yeah, um, of so, course, AIDS, AIDS having no connection, uh, you know, don't tell them to stop home practicing homosexual behavior. That, that's, uh, that's ver- verboten. Yeah, sodomy, right? sodomy, the disease-spreading uh, problems of sodomy have nothing to do with, with, the, with the AIDS. Okay, so anyway, um, and by the way, there are some other intervening variables, but uh, okay. So, um, yeah, so when you think that, I, th- I think we're really talking 20 years, if maybe, you know, in Germany. And all the children in the schools being taught by the approved German teachers, German Teachers Association, right? And uh, the German Teachers Association had all those little children being memorizing those little brains were being changed, weren't they? Weren't they? Mm-hmm. And they were exactly, you know, the same sort of thing that's been happening in the United States since uh, 1960s. So in a lot of ways, it's, it's really, I'm surprised it's taking us, you know, quite as long because we still have a resistance in this country that the Germans did not exhibit, okay? So, um, and by the way, they were under much more a dire threat, <clears throat> excuse me, than, than we still are at this point in time. But as our children are being sexualized, so much so that the little girls are sending their dirty pictures of themselves not knowing it's dirty pictures, <laughs> and wondering why the boyfriends are selling them to everybody, you know what I mean? That's yeah. it. It's unbelievable. I mean, these are kids. These are kids. Yeah. We were supposed to protect them. Yes. We were supposed to mm-hmm. keep all this sexual stuff out of their lives. And we have thrown it in their faces. They can't go anywhere without seeing it. And yes, of course, a lot of them are going to be very susceptible to the homosexual urging, that sort of thing. I mean, as a kid, if I thought that, you know, that uh, homosexuality was being discriminated against and, and this was normal, natural, and this, is, and this is genetic, give me a break. We have no genetic support for that at all. Yeah. And if we did, where was it in the 60s and the 70s? And all this bullying stuff we're talking about for being gay. Well, what was, well, and, and the suicide for that. Well, where are, the da- where are the data back in the 60s and 70s? You think we didn't record data on kids who were committing suicide, on kids who were being beaten up for, for sexual, uh, you know, interest and that sort of thing? Come on. So there's such an ignorance of our history, such an ignorance out there, and we're maintained ignorant. And now, of course, we have the major predators, the map, the, the minor attracted persons coming out of the woodwork everywhere so that they are admitting that there's a tremendous effort to, before you act, establish um, 
homosexuality, the recruitment of children, the seduction of children, the use of children is viable and is okay. And Judith, but that, by the, just FYI, that was Goebbels you were referring to, of course, the German exactly. Hitler's propagandist. And, and, of, exactly. and of course, we're not saying that homosexuals are like Nazis. What we're saying is that the effort to change society, when you get control of the schools, and let's face it, when you have girls putting on and, and boys together in a classroom, putting condoms on bananas, and... and uh, you, you see the changing of a culture, and we have seen it. And it's not just homosexuality, of course. It's it's going to a movie and seeing the most vulgar, dirty sexual humor that you can't even imagine being in a movie just a few decades ago, two decades ago, Judith. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the it's like the Kinsey Revolution now has hit mainstream, and you see dirty jokes in prime time on TV. It's astonishing, and we all sort of come to you know that that boiled frog analogy. The frog must be almost boiling in the water now, and we think it's okay. Absolutely. Oh, and I'm, I see you said you were very clear to say we're not comparing it to 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 Nazism. And you know, every 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 era has its own way of dealing with these issues. But the propaganda is very much the same. Yeah. Absolutely, and I will stand on that because uh, the propaganda is what it is. It's in the schools. It's in the movies it's everywhere of course the the russians did the same thing and, and, and judith the, the propaganda that. especially directed at kids it's shocking to see you know we we uh we had the tape john and i went to a dan savage dan savage is a homosexual activist we saw dan savage give the talk where he says his it gets better project which is a designed to mainstream you know confirm young people in homosexuality he said judith he said it's like giving the finger to parents you know why because those YouTube videos, guess what? It's access to children, Judith. They can they can get. Whereas homosexual activists, you know, had a hard time getting access to children before. Now the kids can go watch all these videos on YouTube, which tell them, look, it just gets better. Being gay, so called, being a lesbian, it gets better. Everything's going to be fine. They're all mainstreaming homosexuality to young people in the name of compassion. That's the shocking thing, Judith. This this sea change in attitudes that we've seen is all being done in the name of compassion, which is why you you, you don't see the homosexual activists talking about all the diseases that that, that uh, are, are attached to homosexual behavior, especially for 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 males. You don't, you don't they don't want to talk about that and ascribe it to homosexuality because hey, that's outside the narrative of of how compassionate they're being, confirming these young people in homosexual identities. Yeah, well, you know, it was all written up in, in uh, what, what's his name, uh, the Marshall and Kirk. After the ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they laid that out. They were specialists, on, uh, you know, in, in advertising. And uh, you, you don't, you don't uh, change a nation by, by acting aggressive, especially an American nation. We are very, you know, touchy-touchy-feely-feeling. We, you know, we care. And uh, so the whole idea was to turn it, Turn this, you know, it's, it's um, what's his name, with a little whistle, you know, you're whistling the little kitties off the, off the, uh, the cliff. And our kids are dying. Our kids are dying. Um, they're being, they're being sexually violated by homosexuals and by heterosexuals or by whatever. Doesn't make it, they're all perverse and perverted because we have gotten to a place where we believe this Kinsey lie to the extent, and all the sexologists out there and experts and the social workers are confirming all this constantly, so that we have gotten to a point where we believe uh, that that we can engage in these kinds of sexual, you know, early activity, that early sex acts, and it's and it's harmless. Well, of course, it isn't harmless. It never was harmless. I mean. Children, let's just take a boy and a girl in, in high school and they're fooling around with each other. A, a, a male and a female, right? Well, you know, you know that, that kids who are fooling around sexually are going to have a lot more difficulty in concentrating on mathematics, you know? I mean, you can't, this is not the time or the place for any of that sort of thing. 
you, then if we... Hmm, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, Judith, you've taken some flack because you said, hey, it was better in the 60s. <laughs> let's go back. <laughs> let's go back to that. But there were less problems. Life was simpler when, when sex was more kept in marriage, when divorce was more scandalous. Those were better times. There weren't aborted babies by the, by the millions. I mean, talk about that. Well, that's exactly right. I mean... Look, so what I said, and you better have those people out there reading my books. I don't, <laughs> first of all, they have to come to the conference, of course. But I want you to read my books. I didn't write them for my health, all right? And I discussed the whole history of World War II. You know, we the libel and the slander of our of our great of our grandparents and our and our great grandparents, depending upon how old you are. These are the people who won the war for the world. They won against the Axis. You know, the Axis enemy. They won against Hitler. They won against Mussolini and Tito and all the rest of them. They won that war, and they sacrificed enormously and came home traumatized, totally traumatized from this war. And while they were here in their own country, thinking that they had finally defeated the enemy, the enemy was here, and the enemy was taking over their country. And they were too exhausted. They were too traumatized trying to make a life for themselves, trying to get their families back on their feet and so on, to be able to battle this Kinsey, this Kinsey sickness, toxin, that was coming out of Indiana University and now spreads throughout all our universities, by the way. You've got to see this new book on Yale, Sex and God at Yale. You know, I mean, it's everywhere. It's not just a university state, you know, where what's-his-name was raping the little boys. Judith, do you know what happened at the University of Chicago? We exposed Americans for Truth that University of Chicago had something called the Leather Library Exhibit. It was right out there. It was a sadomasochism exhibit. And the kids would just come in and start looking at this awful, awful, wretched sadomasochism uh, pornography. And they were just sitting there. You know, and this was sponsored by the University of Chicago. Sure, because they're all educated this way. And besides, hold your hat there, folks. Listen, uh, what was going on at, at university, State University over there in Penn, come on, the president of the university, he himself was a pusher. Come, we know that. So what was he covering up in his backyard? We know he was covering up plenty of stuff. I've got his quotes from telling us that about Kinsey and about how it was perfectly fine to swing and all that sort of stuff. And, and there's a reason that he was running those shows, you know, with all that bizarre stuff going on um, at his university. The head of my university, when I, was, when I left American University, um, Berenson, the, the president of the university there, he was picked up for, for sexually provocative, well, for making dirty phone calls about having sex with kids. Um, he picked up for that. That's a long story. The head of the Department of Psychology was picked up for having sex with, allegedly, with a nine-year-old child in his trailer at a nudist colony, okay? This is everywhere, people, and our judges are reflecting that, and our attorneys generals are reflecting that. And so when you're thwarted by your legislator or by the university or by the judge with something that seems so obvious, Ask yourself what he's doing in his backyard, or not in his backyard, in his closet. Judith, we're going to have to end it there. Thank you so much. We look forward to your I'm talk on fun. I know. Yes, we will see you there, and folks, come out to, on Saturday, October twenty seventh. But thank you so much, Judith, and God bless you. God bless you. Okay, bye bye. You've been listening to the Americans for Truth Hour with Pete LaBarbera and John Kirkwood. Uh, all our interviews are available, uh, archived at americansfortruth.org. That's americansfortruth.org. Also, don't forget our banquet coming up Saturday, October 27th at Christian Liberty Academy in Arlington Heights, Illinois, featuring Dr. Judith Reisman. That's Saturday, October 27th. Please return to our website, make a donation, americansfortruth.org. There's a donate button. Donate to our cause. Help us to continue with these interviews. And thanks for listening. God bless.